0: Good day, you are listening to a special interview series hosted by Free City Radio that is taking place in collaboration with a conference and concert in Montreal called Music and Anti-Fascism, Reflections on the Past and Possibilities in the Present. So this is an interview series that I'm hosting um, in collaboration with this conference I'm Stefan Christoph and host Free City Radio. Uh, We, of course, are a weekly radio program and podcast. This interview series is basically conversations I've had with artists reflecting on their own creative practice, but also their relationship to activism. These interviews feature musicians who are joining a concert in July 2022 as part of this conference. And I wanted to take the opportunity to speak with artists about their practice, their work and the intersections between their musical ideas and their musical practices and activism within this time of urgency when it comes to struggles for justice, when it comes to struggles against fascism internationally. It was great to get to record these interviews with an awesome set of artists here in the city in Montreal. We will now go to an interview with Marcus Floats, who is a visual artist and musician. We talked about his practice as a musician. Some interesting and really thoughtful points came up around taking time to create and carving that out and being intentional about that. Also, we talked about gentrification and the place of artists in struggles for housing rights, particularly within Park Extension, a neighborhood in Montreal that is facing severe gentrification right now. And it was really a pleasure to get to speak with Marcus um, about his work. So here's our conversation. I'm in Montreal with artist Marcus Floats, musician also and um, Marcus's work uh, explores ambient sounds, rhythmic sounds, electronic music, uh, plays in different ensembles including the Egyptian Cotton Orchestra, has uh, held numerous exhibitions of your visual art which have been striking. Um, So I'll just say hi and you know we were just talking and mentioning must be great to like do (laughs) do the art for your own albums
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we were just saying that uh yeah it's just nice to not have to i mean it sounds kind of bad but not to not have to collaborate too much just to be like have full creative control top to bottom i think i'm a little uh I think if you really want to, I, I, I took DIY, D, D, <laughs> DIY, DIY a little too seriously. I just want to do everything myself. Yeah, it's just, which is like pros and cons, you know. Mm. There's uh, a lot of things that I feel like I probably should be asking for help with, but I kind of just enjoy trying my best. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, and I, and I can imagine also there's a lot of experimentation there. Uh, within your music, also sort of the setup. I mean describing your music would be difficult, but um, you draw from a lot of different influences I would imagine um, i've I've listened to third album quite a lot. Uh, it's awesome. Um, maybe yeah, if you could share a bit about that album and and sort of some of the themes or some of the ideas that went into the process or how it came together. Okay.
1: Uh, so third album is my third album. Uh, it was released on Constellation two years ago, right before the pandemic. Um, what is its deal? Uh, hard to say. like I kind of just am at home a lot <laughs> and I like making music, so I kind of just just work just like you sit down and you try and make something that sounds like how you want it to sound and you just keep struggling and then eventually you're like i think it's done <laughs>
0: how do you notice when you're getting to it? It or
1: uh it's a feeling it's also just like a lot of <clears throat> how to put it sort of like a. You're going to have a lot of dead air in this interview. Uh,
0: (laughs) We're going to get all the ambient sounds. Yeah. It's
1: so beautiful. (laughs) Um, I would say, I would put it like, when I can't fix anything else, it's it's close to done. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, the way I work is, like, I sort of, like, have a really scrappy demo with terrible sounds. But sort of, the idea, like... The usually start with the chords and like a little melody or something and it sounds terrible and then you just
0: work on it, <laughs> which oh, I don't so know. So you actually have like a sort of a, a theme, like sort of a, a little melody or s- sort of c- chord structure to start? Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. Okay. Start with like, usually
1: just start on piano or like a, with a piano sound. Sure, sure. I don't actually have a piano. Uh, and sort of lay out the structure. And then you just sort of, or I just sort of fill it in as I go along, being like, oh, what if this sound happened here? And then what if I moved this sound over here? And then you try and make each sound sound as right as it's supposed to, or like sound as good as it can. And then you mix it all together, and you got a cake. <laughs> restract, restract.
0: But I, I would imagine also like it's not necessarily a process that is totally smooth all the time like there's some patience there Um,
1: yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah like uh, as I was saying earlier I've sort of like given myself uh, like two and a half weeks to sort of like chill out and work on the fourth album I guess technically Uh, maybe an EP or something in between but um yeah, as I was like I was just going through old demos and it's like some of them I haven't touched in literally 2 years. I'm just like are the <laughs> Yeah, it's just weird to be like cuz I I started uh putting a timer there's like a a timer plug-in that you can Use that just like lets you know how long you've been working on something. Oh, okay. And like when you started it and how many times you've worked on it. Oh, okay. And so that's been really helpful. Just open up a project and be like, oh, I haven't, yeah, I haven't touched this in two years, and.
0: Oh, okay. like I've, a timestamp. Really. Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, okay. That's been really nice, just as like a personal motivator.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I guess you have like so many different versions of each piece. Um, yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, I guess I I work uh, kind of, like, iteratively. (laughs) Like, I kind of think of it as, like, software versions. Where I always start with, like, 0.1. That's, like, the scrappiest demo. And then once it's, like, mostly formed, that's 1.0. And if I make any major changes, it becomes a version
0: change. But, yeah. And are you sort of thinking about, like, like, are the pieces sort of reflecting... You know your your vibe in life at the moment or are you trying to sort of have a more fantastical idea of like oh this is sort of a projection of another sort of feeling or an imaginary or is it more just like a sharing of where you're at at the moment
1: i would say it's like a a sharing of where i'm at more so but it's never really on purpose it's sort of like it just life just creeps into the music you're making in this weird way like during the pandemic i was walking along the train tracks a lot and <laughs> i noticed noticed recently coming back to these old new tracks that there's just like a lot of like train-ish sounds that have just like creeped in and like the sound of uh those like barriers that come down a lot of dinging rhythmic dinging mm. and like whoosh. i don't know yeah mm. it's been uh it's weird it's it's just a weird thing
0: making music <laughs> who knows how you do it so in a sense it's like some of the atmospheres in your life are definitely impacting what you're doing in more like a subconscious way yeah yeah I think
1: that's a good way of putting it i just sort of uh,
0: yeah yeah um, and and so third album, which I've um, played on Free City Radio before Tracks Room um, is a project that you're sort of following up on right now um, in, in your own pace. Uh, so like we're sort of at this strange moment for musicians where like, I don't know if you this relates at all to how you feel about the pandemic, but at least on my, my part, it's like during the pandemic, you felt like I felt super confused because so much about, I mean, for many, many other bigger reasons, but I mean, just in terms of like making music, Mm -hmm. because um, so much of the music making experience was always, uh, you know, either like, even if it was a solo thing, it was like based on like, oh, you've had these conversations at this space or at this, concert, or mm-hmm. I saw this artist, or I had a duet with this person, and it thought made me think about even what I'm doing solo in this way, you know? Yeah. Like, that sort of in-person dialogue stopped?
1: Yeah. That was...
0: It's so strange. It's just like, yeah, I grew up in,
1: in Calgary, uh, started going to, like, all-ages shows when I was, like, 15, 16. So there's always been that community aspect. Like, that's how you start a band, is you go to a show... And you see someone playing and then like yeah. a year later you're, they're like hey uh do you want to start a band <laughs> basically yeah, like that's, that's how totally. bands start yeah. and also just like having the uh yeah. a place for a place to be bad really is like such an important zone it's like no no one's first band is good <laughs> and you need to you just have to like work through it and yeah when shows stop just to sort of like when when are all these bad bands gonna get a chance to get good? But I guess like for me, it was also just very strange because yeah, as we we're saying, there's just like so much, so much happens at a show. That's not just the music. It's like a yeah. very social environment. Obviously, it's a very like. It's like it's a place that you go where everyone's there, for pretty much the same reason, and that's kind of rare. Yeah. That's true. Uh. Yeah, everyone's there because, like, they want to see music, and they like music, and you talk to people about music, and, yeah, there's, like, this, uh, sharing that happens that I missed a lot. I really did. Um, Did you,
0: yeah, was that, like, was it, like, super conscious, or you like, I fucking miss this, or was it more just creeped up on you?
1: I would say the first, like, six months, I was pretty thankful to not have it anymore, because I think there's just, like, a lot that surround shows especially bar shows look drinking (laughs) drinking is just like unavoidable part of like being a musician in a lot of ways and that's not a great thing I would say (laughs) even just like you know getting not getting paid in drink tickets but just like yeah you're having like two or three drinks a night if you're playing if you're on tour you're just like you're drinking a lot uh so it was nice to give my body a break at the very least my body and my brain, uh, but yeah. At a certain point, I was just like, I really just want to go to a show. I really just want to see a band. I really just want to talk to people about whether or not they like that band and who was in that band, where they're from, and <laughs> who else they played with, and you know, all these little things that happen at shows.
0: Uh, and how are you feeling about that all that now? Like-
1: uh, I mean, I'm happy to. I'm happy that it's back in the form it is now still very strange we were talking earlier about like what to do with masks just like this weird thing of just like if you're on stage you're not you don't have to wear a mask anymore suddenly uh how do i feel about it now no i'm i'm grateful yeah
0: Hmm. really it's a big word right on (laughs) grateful that people can gather
1: grateful that people can gather again and it's, it's just like such a huge part of my life that disappeared and I just had to like figure out other things to do and I think I did a pretty good job of finding other things And but I'm yeah happy happy to be back in this weird form that's not 100% and maybe never
0: will be again So the community aspect of shows I mean that's how I know you is sort of like around both like the sort of diy community around concerts but also like the sort of interchange between community activism and concerts and trying to like figure that out which is super complicated right like how how can artists be part of activism how can that support be real um and and sort of like where is activism in the arts community um how are these two spaces related um and i think that i'm being intentionally sort of vague about that because it's like that's also a work in progress you know like that that those conversations right and Mm -hmm. i also felt like during the pandemic where is that gone you know like because there are so many urgent issues that came up oh yeah i mean i feel like we're just like (laughs) dipping into the black square
1: instagram incident of just like what is what do what can you do <laughs> what is like the right thing to do and people are just like desperate to do something that makes sense and yeah it's it's fraught it's fraught especially like uh like choosing which shows to play and which shows not to play and the questionable morality of like fundraisers and just like if, like, a millionaire raises $500, like, what's what's the point, <laughs> you know? like Or, like, all these business owners doing all these <clears throat> things that are good. But at the same time, you're, like, maybe shift that good intention to another zone. But I don't, like, I don't have the answers. I don't know. <laughs> just, I think I've I heard it, I can't remember who said it, but it's sort of just, like, uh there's this idea of just like pointing yourself in the right direction and then hoping for the best really.
0: It's what like, does that feel like for you?
1: Uh for me it's been trying to <laughs> trying to show up uh in certain ways trying to pay attention to my neighborhood and what's going on in it. Which is uh, I live in Park Extension. Uh where there is a wild housing crisis happening right now. Uh, rent evictions, evictions, uh, there's a, HLM that's being shut down because the landlord was, you know, a garbage landlord who let the place just fall apart. You know, there's just like,
0: HLM for people listening outside of Quebec is uh, public housing units. Yeah.
1: Public housing unit. This one's uh, specifically for old folks. home. it's like an old folks home, uh, I think non-assisted living but uh yeah there's just like tenants that have lived there for decades who are getting evicted now and all their doctors are in the neighborhood and it's just sort of like these are avoidable problems and they're also problems that are actionable in this weird way well not a weird way they're actionable because at least for me because you know this place is like uh maybe like six blocks away from where i've lived for five years and yeah, I think there's just a certain power in thinking very locally. Maybe that's like the little little tiny anarchist in my brain. It's just like, if I could just get like 30 people who live around me, we could really make some changes.
0: <laughs> yeah, For people who don't really know what is Park Extension, um, people listening outside of Montreal... Um, Or maybe even people who aren't familiar with the neighborhood who are here in the city a lot of artists live there now Um, a quick like idea of what is park extension Uh,
1: park extension is I think one of the densest neighborhoods in Canada if not the densest Uh, it's a traditionally traditionally uh, historically uh, immigrant neighborhood uh, Greek uh, a lot of Indian Pakistani there's like 10 or 12 languages that are spoken there is, like, Tamil, uh, Bengali, Urdu, uh, Greek, Uh, it's uh, colloquially known, (laughs) I guess, like, not colloquially, but, like, the official, I'm not sure how I'm trying to preface this, but it's a, it's called a working class neighborhood, but if you live there, it's a a poor neighborhood, Uh, there's lots of uh, slumlords, there's lots of, like, bedbugs, cockroaches There's just lots of things that don't need to be as bad as they are. And it's just... I don't want to say laziness, but... Because laziness... I don't know. It's just... It's a beautiful neighborhood, and I love living there. And... Yeah. It's a... <laughs> it's also where you create. Yeah, it's where I create. That's where I spend most of my time. Jari Park is, like, mm, such a good park.
0: Mm, nice <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I forgot the question. You just, like, thinking about the neighborhood. And so you create there. That means your music, which we talked about a bit, but also uh, your paintings. Mm-hmm. I get this, like, the way the edges of the color tones in your paintings sort of visit each other. There's, like, this sort of... You know in a dream when you're, like, with somebody yeah. and you know they're there, mm-hmm. but you don't see them in the dream? Okay, like, yeah. you're, like, doing... You know, <laughs> like, you're, like, uh, walking in a mountain in, in your dream and yeah. somebody else, you know that they're present. Yeah, like, but oh,
1: my cousin's there, but it's not
0: my Yeah, cousin. yeah. I don't know. I feel like in your paintings there's, like, this hazy... The way the colors um, mix. I mean, it's very beautiful. And there's also, like, this sort of trippy reality thing going on. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I, I really like them. But <laughs> but the, the paintings, yeah, like, uh, what are some of the sort of processes or, like, w- when you're working on them, what's going on? Oh, uh, I don't know.
1: Painting's weird for me. I started painting when I was... Uh, I was with uh I'm not quite sure how to phrase this one either. I was I was dating someone, uh Pachamaro, an artist in their own right. Uh and living with another artist. Um, and I just there was paint around and <laughs> I started painting. I've never like yeah, I picked it up maybe like six years ago, just started doing it, never really taken any classes or had any interest before. Um, So yeah, I still have a a pretty hard time talking about my painting. I don't really have the language around it, but it's uh, something that I really enjoy doing. Uh, I just sort of like book off some time and paint.
0: (laughs) So you intentionally are like... You, and you said that about your music too, which I actually don't hear a lot of artists say that. Okay. Like, say that I'm going to book off time to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, people are like, oh, well, I'll make time for it after work or it's going to happen, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. then and then some people struggle with finding the time.
1: Oh, yeah, it's that. that's, like, the real struggle. Like, I've... it's I've just, like, <laughs> uh, resigned myself to being broke all the time because I can't work and work on music. Like... Uh, it's just it's just too hard. Yeah. So I'll, what I'll do is like, like last month I had a contract and I was just like, okay, this is the work month. Okay. And I'm just like, nine to five, not nine to five, but it was, yeah. Serious hours. Just, yeah, some serious hours, just like I'm working. I go to work, I come home, I eat, I shower, I go to sleep. And that's like, and then, yeah, with that little store, I have the time now to Kind of yeah, flop around and sleep in and smoke a ton of weed and play video <laughs> games and and Start paint. To get into a different space. Yeah, get into a different space. Yeah. It's just a, like, yeah, the the idea of like squeezing in squeezing in like a little like an hour of music time just doesn't work for me anymore. So hmm. I'm just gonna be broke.
0: <laughs> so so you need that space to ruminate to try experiment.
1: Oh for sure, yeah. It's just so sort of, like you. My ideal situation is like I sit down and I work for like six hours, six or seven hours and then maybe don't work for a couple of days but yeah. Cool.
0: Um, some people talk about like art creating like a space for reflection on both society but your own experiences, the art, one's experiences in life mm-hmm. that is really important or you know, it could be, like, an output. It could be healing. It could be a way to express, you know, uh, opposition to whatever issue. Uh, you know, we were talking about gentrification and Park acts mm-hmm. It could be a broader sort of spiritual thing. Like, what are... Is are, is that, like, something that you think about when you create, or...? I do when
1: I don't. I mean, I feel like part of that is just the natural output of art making, like, I like to think of making art as just like this very fundamental human activity, just sort of this thing that human beings have done forever, literally forever, like as long as humans have been around, they've just like had this urge to just like sort of doodle or like scratch a thing into another thing, make something look like something else, it's just sort of like this. Part of our brains that need to be satisfied, and there's a lot of. I mean, yeah, you can direct it in different directions, or you can just do it for the love of the game, I guess. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah. 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 It's a side of reflection. It's the side of a lot of things. It's like uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about church in this mm-hmm. weird way, and just like how church. Or like to go back to shows, like for me, uh, shows fulfilled what I think might be a lot of what people find in church of just like this Mm. sense of community. You know, there's just like people you see every week, over and over again for years, and someone gets up on in front and like tells you about their feelings and (laughs) their thoughts, and you're just like, oh yeah, we're bopping along, and yeah, there's just like these fundamental human needs that get met in different ways and you know, different strokes for different folks.
0: Well, you were talking also just about, like, I get the sense I know that you released something relatively recently that was referencing Marx. Yeah, um, And I guess there's a conflict there in terms of like art and the market, mm-hmm. and it's something you've thought through a lot, I'm sure, in different ways. Um, do you have any reflections on that? Because you talked about it as like a, something that's so essential to like human experience. Yeah. You know? The market gets in there in a pretty nasty way. For sure.
1: I mean, yeah, when the pandemic started, I just like buckled down and read some theory read uh, most of Capital Oh, (laughs) really? Yeah I mean, it's a pretty fun book Uh, and that was part of why I made that track Uh, it's just like a long section from a what was it, chapter 33 or something starting to write and yeah, I guess the fun thing about Marx is that he doesn't really tell you what to do (laughs) he's just sort of like explaining how the system came about and what like what labor is and what money is and it's just like a fun way to think about the world and oh I feel like I'm getting derailed again what was the question
0: just that when you're just that about? yeah I mean <laughs> you you did a track referencing Marx, and we we're like talking about like art as like a fundamental human activity mm-hmm. and how like the market gets in there and right, sort of right, like right yeah, I
1: think there's, like, a weird weird assumption that the market in contemporary capitalism is just, like, the natural state of order, and it's just not. It's just, <laughs> like, this is all just made up. There's just these, like, companies weren't supposed to be this big. Like, Like, when capitalism started, there's, like, oh, I own, like, four stores in this small town. I'm a big capitalist. But now it's, like, oh, I own, you know... I have more money than most of the world or like I don't know it's just a it's a very real problem and that I think we need to think about it in a very real way <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, what, like, it's like I don't know yeah, yeah like capitalism pretty new it's not a thing that humans mm-hmm. have done forever and it's based on a lot of hmm. not falsities but like a lot of mistakes Stakes is I don't know, it's built on slavery, so I mean like if you can't even start with that then we're missing the point.
0: Thanks for talking to me. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Right <laughs>